Chapter 5, verse 1. Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren, the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters, with, with all purity. Now, Timothy was not to rebuke an elder publicly, but he was to entreat him privately. Timothy was a young man, and he needed to be very tactful in his relationship with these older men in the church. In other words, he was not to take the position of a know-it-all or a dictator over these older men. He was to encourage them and have a word privately with them if he thought it was necessary. He was to have a good relationship with the older men and also with those of his own age. He was to treat the older women in the church as mothers. I believe that the same rule applies here. He was not to rebuke an older woman publicly, but if need be, have a word with her privately. He was to treat the young women in the church as sisters with all purity. The key phrase here is with all purity. A minister of a church should be very careful in his relationships with the opposite sex. Nothing hurts a church more or has more frequently wrecked the ministry of a church than sin in this area. Verse 3. Honor widows that are widows indeed. But if any widow have children or nephews, let them uh, learn first to show piety at home and to requite their parents. For that is good and, and acceptable before God. Now she that is a widow indeed and desolate... Trusted in God and continued in supplications and prayers night and day. But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. And these things give in charge that they may be blameless. But if any provide not for his own and especially for those of his own house, he had denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Now, the early church took care of their widows and they were very careful about it. The care of widows was the problem that arose in Acts chapter 6. The Greeks, who were Jews from outside of Israel, felt that their widows were being neglected in favor of the others. The apostles had men appointed to handle the care of the widows so that they themselves could, could continue to concentrate on the preaching of the word. Now, Paul is giving instructions here as to how the care of the widows is to be carried out. He says here for them to honor widows that are widows indeed. In verse 5, he gives some of the qualifications for determining a widow indeed. Number one, she must be desolate. In other words, she must be in need. Number two, she must trust in God. She must be a, 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 a godly woman. Number three, she must be a praying woman. Uh Verse 6 shows that if a widow indeed has been left a lot of money by her, by her husband or if she has inherited a large sum of money, she is not to be supported by the church. 
Paul tells Timothy in verse number seven to make this very clear to the church in order that they might act in an honorable way in these matters. Then Paul makes a bold statement in verse eight of which every believer should take a close look at. He says, but if any provide not for his own and especially for those of his own house, he had denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Now we see here that the church did not support widows who had children or grandchildren. Nephews uh, means grandchildren here. All right, that was alive and who was well able to support them. That, that is the key. And who was well able to support them. The ancient world was very uh, definite that it was the duty uh, of the children to support aged parents. E.K. Simpson said this, A religious profession which falls below the standard of duty recognized by the world is a wretched fraud. The early church refused for their charity to become an excuse for children to evade their responsibility. Now here Paul gives instructions concerning widows in general. But what about a, a, a pastor's wife who have now become a widow after serving years and years in the ministry, laboring in the ministry with her husband? Should she be taken care of by the church regardless of her age or whether or not she have children or grandchildren? Well, Paul, he didn't give specific instructions to pastor's wives who become or who become widows. But I believe every pastor's wife who have labored years in the ministry with her husband deserve for the rest of her life to be supported by the church, whether she have children, grandchildren or not. She has paid her dues and should be compensated for it. And form uh, look. Uh, and just out of respect for your for your deceased pastor, you should see to it that your former pastor's wife is taken care of for the rest of her life. You know, think about it. Every president and, and, and wife that leaves office are taken care of for the rest of their lives. Are we going to let the world outdo us and leave our former pastor's wife out in the cold? I think not. She should be taken care of by the church for the rest of her life. Hallelujah. Look at verse 9. Let not a widow be taken into the number under three score years old, having been the wife of one man, well reported of for good works, if she have brought up children, if she have large strangers, if she have washed the saints' feet, if she have relieved the afflicted, if she have diligently followed every good work. Now here we have the rest of the qualifications of being determined by the early church of being a widow indeed. Now, notice the qualification of the age. She had to be at least 60 years old. Why 60 years old? Well, that age was was determined based upon the culture in which they lived in at that time. That was that was an age which the ancient world considered to be specially suited for concentration on the spiritual life. Uh, Plato, in his plan for the ideal state, held that 60 was the right age for men and women to become priests and priestesses. 60 years old and older was the standard set by Paul in accordance to the culture he lived in at that time. All right, verse 11. But the younger widows refuse, uh, for when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry, having damnation because they have cast off their first fate. And with, a, and with all they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but talents also, and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. 
I will therefore that the young women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproach, uh, reproachfully. For some are already turned aside after Satan. If any man or woman that believe it have widows, let them relieve them and let not the church be charged, that it may relieve them that are widows indeed. Now, Paul was trying to prevent young female widows from making a serious vow unto the Lord and breaking it which would cause serious consequences. Also, he didn't want the young female widows to become busybodies, therefore uh, discrediting the church, bringing a, a reproach upon the church. So he instructs them to remarry, have children, and to spend their time with their own family. This would prevent many young widows from becoming busybodies. So, so the advice is that these young women should marry and engage upon the greatest task of all, rearing a family and making a home. Now here we have another example of one of the main thoughts of the pastoral epistles. They were always concerned with how the Christians appeared to the outside world. We too should always be conscious of this. We should always ask ourselves, do our life give the world an opportunity to criticize the church, or does it give it a reason to admire it? And then he gives instructions for every believing children with a mother as a widow to relieve the church of their support of them so that the church could really meet the needs of the widows indeed, who really needed help. It appeared here that the church was taking care of all widows. Paul writes and set the guidelines and had the church to cease in their uh, contributions to the widows who didn't who did not meet the guidelines given. All right, verse 17. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture said, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treaded out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. Against an elder receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses, them that that sin rebuke before all, that others also may fear. I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one uh, before another, doing nothing by partiality. Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partakers of other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. Here is a series of practical re regulations for the life and, and administration of the church. The elders was to be honored and paid for their labor in the word and doctrine. The elders who labored tremendously were to be well compensated. They was to be supported by the church. He gives the scripture reference. He says, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treaded out the corn. Uh, that's found, a reference to that is found in Deuteronomy chapter 25 and verse 4. Listen, when Threshing was done in the east. The, the sheaves of corn were laid on the threshing floor. Then oxen in pairs were driven repeatedly across them, or they were fettered to a post in the middle and made to march round and round on the grain. Or a threshing sledge was uh, harnessed to them, and the sledge was drawn to and fro across the corn. In all cases, the oxen were left unmuzzled and were free to eat as much of the grain as they wished as a reward for the work they were doing. Listen, if your pastor labors intensely in the ministry, in the word, feeding your soul and meeting your spiritual needs, he is worthy of your financial support.
Take good care of your pastor. Then Paul urges Timothy to administer his office without favor, without favoritism rather, or prejudice. Nothing does more harm than when some people are treated as if they could do no wrong while others as if they could do no right. He also instructs Timothy on how to handle ordained elders that have sinned. He was not to receive an accusation of an elder unless in the presence of two or three witnesses of the accusation given. Then he tells him in verse 22 to lay hands subtly on no man. Listen, the selection of leaders was a serious thing and was to be taken so. It is detrimental to, to any church to select a person to leadership status who is not fully trained or skilled in the word of God. Then he tells Timothy not to compromise. Don't let no one talk you into letting a convert who is not ready for leadership into a position of leadership. You will be a partner in sin if you do. Make sure that every selection is someone who is anchored in the word of God. And by doing all these things, Timothy, you will keep yourself pure. Verse 23. Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. Now, this verse clearly shows that even though wine was perhaps the main drink of Paul's day, Timothy to this point had stayed completely away from it. His drink was only water. Paul didn't tell Timothy to use wine as a dinner drink. But for medical purposes, Timothy had stomach problems and all uh Paul instructs Timothy to, to use a little wine for the sickness. Wine was used as a medicine in Paul's day. All right. Verse 24. Some men's sins are open beforehand, given before to judgment, and some men they follow after. Likewise, also the good works of some are manifest beforehand, and they that are otherwise cannot be hid. Now, God sees all and will judge all according to everything we have done, whether privately or openly. God sees the sins done behind the closed doors and the sins done in the open. There is no escape from the ultimate confrontation with the God who sees and knows everything. There are some whose good deeds are plain for all to see and who have already won the praise and thanks and congratulations of men. There are some whose, whose good deeds have never been noticed, never appreciated, never thanked, never praised, never valued as they ought to have been. Don't be disappointed or bitter. God knows your good deeds also, and he will repay, for he is never in any man's debt. Oh, I like that. Listen, we should never become angry at the seemingly escape of others, nor bitter at the thankless, uh, thanklessness of men, but that we must be content to leave all things to the ultimate judgment of God. Declaring the truth. Yeah.